for this song I just wrote about <laughs> the new hit film, the new hit Marvel film distributed by Walt Disney Pictures, <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder. I'm ready. Okay. This one's for you, Taika. It's time to Taika your white TTs. I gotta go pee-pees. Do a little dance. Thor's got no pants. Oh, yeah! That was actually written by Axl Rose now for the film. that... A, a non-racist Axl Rose <laughs> song, if you can believe Oof. it, folks. We are witnessing history on the podcast. History in the making. Well, I guess right you're now. not witnessing it. You are hearing history being made. No, we have be, viewers, not be listeners. In me. Uh, I can't speak. What? I'm so. I was so astonished by Thor's butt. What? The? <laughs> you can't say the same. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, everyone. We did see Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth's. We saw whole as as Taika Waititi said in an interview. He we saw his Hemsworth. Dang. Wait, we should probably introduce ourselves instead of talking about Thor's butt. I think it's more. I think. I think we should just this whole episode. We should just talk about Chris Hemsworth bodacious booty. Okay, done. Strap in, everybody. So I think the best part about... Um, okay, he, <laughs> my name is Shannon. And my name is Trevor. And welcome back to our podcast. Big Screen Sweethearts. Oh, everybody, yeah. everybody, we saw the newest installment in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The MCU. Famously. Yes. Uh, if you know Trevor and I in real life, you will fans. you will know. Yes, Trevor is a lifelong Marvel yeah. fanatic. I am a recent Marvel convert. Um, I will say, thanks in large part to Trevor. Thanks in also large part to Paul Rudd. He thanks, oh, and Paul Chris Rudd. Evans. Love you, Kings. I will say I'm I'm quite knowledgeable at this point. I've fallen down many a Marvel wiki rabbit hole. It's addictive sometimes. It I is. lose sleep. And it's so much easier than reading uh, a thousand issues of comics. Yeah, because that's not... I don't have the attention <laughs> span for that. But I do have the attention span to fall down the rabbit holes. So we, of course, saw Thor this film yes. on the preview night. And then we didn't have time to make an episode. So this is going to be our, uh, our thoughts after a second viewing. Yes, Just which we believe is important for multiple reasons. Because A, we <laughs> saw the first one in 4DX... And it really sealed the deal We're that done. we are finished We're done with, 4D. with that. Yeah, it no was more. like the most unhinged Star Tours <laughs> ride you've ever been on. We were being thrown around. I've never wanted to be Stormbreaker before, but they definitely made me feel like Stormbreaker. <laughs> but hey, now we have that experience. We were thrown around. We were distracted. I was distracted most of the film by the people in front of me. Literally, I could see them being jostled so hard in their seats. I thought someone was going to fall out because we didn't have seatbelts. A moment of silence for them. Rest in peace. In the that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, no, nobody died in that viewing that we know other of. than my attention span. Allegedly. So while we did really enjoy it the first time, um, we there was decided. Just some 
some things that we missed because it was so much happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much on screen and so much yeah. in theater. Um, and the movie's packed full of stuff, too. Oh, so. definitely. I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about kind of the controversy that this movie has okay, so, stirred up. Oh, Lord. You know, anymore, Marvel fans are so freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. They are just the biggest pricks of all time. And now mm. that we are getting different kinds of stories, the the MCU is changing its shape mm-hmm. um, post-Endgame. We have so many people that are just condemning it, acting like it's the shittiest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. They've done it with, you know, new kinds of representation because we're not getting just white men anymore. Mm-hmm. They've done it to Miss Marvel. They've done it to Eternals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done it to different styles. They've Say done it to that. Sam Raimi and in a multiverse and, of madness. And Trevor loves Sam Raimi, everybody. I love Sam Raimi. And I will be talking about Sam Raimi's influence on this movie a little bit. Oh. Because I think it's there. Okay, I think it's definitely okay. there. This new phase we're going into is it's not structured the same, which is fine. It's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've heard so many people complain about the Marvel... Um, fatigue. The formula. Yeah. And saying, oh my God, everything's so predictable, blah, blah, blah. Right. We don't want predictable predictable stories anyway as you can tell folks this episode will get a little heated because because, well i don't even say this but it's the the intensity of the way that people are coming for this film it's vitriol it it is it's when people came for like multiverse of madness they were like oh the movie's mid yeah it's a a messy film it is messy and this one is kind of too yeah but in much different ways in much different ways the way that they have come for it is literally saying that it's the worst marvel film ever <gasps> that's so, when yeah. thor the dark world exists <laughs> right well that let me is just rude. say this i'm on i mean duh buddy aka imdb <laughs> right now duh, buddy um and it currently holds a 6.9 out of 10 wow and this is this is the kicker the first thor which famously Dutch Angles Galore, not a very good movie, oh. has a seven. That's. And then Thor The Dark World, only one point below, 6.8. <gasps> That's criminal. <laughs> that makes me so mad. You guys, when when the pandemic first happened, we did an entire MCU watch through because I hadn't seen a lot of the movies in the first phase. And I was so mad when we watched Thor The Dark World because <laughs> it was truly a terrible film. I hated it so much. I was angry. TMI, but we kind of Netflix and chilled with that movie. Did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember because we watched it immediately after Avengers because we just want to get it over with. Uh-huh. And I was like... This is boring. We could be doing something more interesting. Dang. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry if anyone who is related to me is listening. Okay. So let's (laughs) get into the synopsis. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Miss IMDb. Thor's retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore the God Butcher, who seeks the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who, to Thor's surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer, Mjolnir, as the mighty Thor. Together, they embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late. That was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. What a riveting performance. (laughs) Thank you. I really liked that. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and start with our... Our initial our rating. Our initial rating. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, four out of five stars. I have to as well go with a four yes. out of five stars. All right. So that gives us an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Collective big screen sweethearts score. Not the official one yet. 
You gotta wait till the end of the episode. Yes, yes, yes. The initial, the initial. Also, in case anyone hasn't caught on yet, this will be an episode full of spoilers. We're gonna do spoilers. The movie's been out a few a few weeks yeah. by the time this episode comes out, so I think it's only fair. And yeah. I think, especially because of the controversy and everything, there are things that we need to talk about. Yeah. That really kind of intertwine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, you guys, I have always been kind of back and forth with how I feel about Christian Bale, but yeah. he has been, he gave such an incredible Dude. performance in this film and the like s- descent into being cursed and being a psychotic murdering maniac. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. He did he was so incredible. fantastic. I wanted more of him. That's one of my biggest gripes with this movie yeah. is Gore is so good, like literally I would say for me, probably like top five MCU villain. Yeah, I agree. And it's criminal how underutilized he is in, in this movie. Yeah. That's one of its biggest flaws is that he, he when he's in it, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. But then he goes away for a while. Yeah. And that kind of happens throughout the movie is he'll show up. Crazy shit will happen. He disappears. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up later when the story needs him. Yeah. Yeah. I really... I was sad that I had missed that the first time that that the curse had gotten set into motion literally within the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think really makes the end that people are so upset about, which we'll get to, it makes it make so much sense to me. And there's something in Christian Bale's performance that I want to point out when we get like further on in our analysis. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't notice that the first, in the first few moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, I really loved that we started with that, Boom, we cut to Korg telling the story yeah, in a very contrasting Thor. tone. Yeah, like very. the stark opposite. Yes. Which is a lot of people's main gripe with this movie is that they think it's totally inconsistent. It it deals with a lot of really heavy themes. So you you deal with loss, grief, Jane battles cancer, mm-hmm. all of these really intense themes that are also brought into pretty much a a, a movie that's a straight comedy for most of the movie. Right. But is it okay if I get into this analysis that I have? Yeah. Initially, I didn't really have a problem with what people are calling tonal inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. I do think sometimes it gets a little bit messy, but I love a messy film. Yes. I don't know what it is. Yes, he does. But like, especially if it's like sci-fi related, like Alita Battle Angel. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it so much, but it's fucking all over the place. Yeah, it is. And you get a little bit of that in this movie. But to me, I thought it worked. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why. The movie opens up on this very tragic introduction. Oh my god, I cannot speak. <laughs> <laughs> Introductory it, scene, it. which is gorgeous, by the way. Mm-hmm. This whole movie, this is one of the best looking MCU movies, hands down. Yeah. The only one that might beat it is probably Guardians Volume 2. Yeah. Um, But the use of color, the cinematography, it's just... It's gorgeous. So the whole opening scene focuses on Gore. Mm-hmm. It kind of sets a tone for his his specific character. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm already on to what you're going to okay, say, okay. and I agree so, completely. So it, it sets up the tone for his specific character, and it does this with Gore, Thor, and Jane. Yeah. I literally oh was going to say, I was going to say, if I was going to let you finish this, and yeah. then I was going to jump in and say the same exact thing. That's so crazy. Love. Okay, carry <laughs> Our on. Our brains just work the same. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> the way it sets the tone for the characters is mainly focused on how they deal with pain in their life. Yes. Uh, in this case, for Gore, 
he deals with it with anger. Yes. And that anger is then amplified to the umpteenth degree by the curse of the necro sword. Yes. Which I think is super cool. Yes. Because uh, we might talk about this later, but there's pieces of him, how he was before on mm-hmm. his planet, mm-hmm. trying to come out sometimes. Yes. When he has interactions with certain groups. Yes. Which I, I keep saying, yes. People I'm just keep so saying that this movie does not have layers. It's dumb. It is so layered. It's incredibly it is, it layered. has so much meat to it, and people are just completely o- like overlooking it yeah. because there's comedy. Stay on your point. We can get okay. Heated. I just I'm getting heated. <laughs> I'm already getting mad. I'm already getting I know, mad. Okay. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so we have Gore dealing with his pain yes. through anger. And so we have this very somber opening to the movie. Yes. And then it, the tone goes, whoop, flips right around. And then we have, which I love this narration by Korg, by the way. So good. And love Korg. Quick, quick side note. I saw this theory on, on Reddit. Some people think that the whole movie is told by Korg, like from the perspective of Korg. Because uh-huh. it begins and ends with his narration. Right. And so because of that, that's why it's so zany. Right. Is because Korg is Korg so is ridiculous. A silly guy. Which I really like that theory. Yeah, I think that's um, cute. But at the same time, I think it takes away from some of the character interactions and stuff. Yeah. So anyways, Thor is then presented as somebody who does not take... He's very immature. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the MCU, we've seen him kind of battling with this. We've seen him ha- have to deal with so much loss. Mm-hmm. And he's coped with it in many different ways. He just really struggles to grow up. Yeah. Which is a main focus of his character in this movie is mm-hmm. his maturity and kind of rising to the occasion and finally becoming a grown up. Yeah. Because basically he's just a super buff child yeah. for most of the his stories child. in the MCU. Yeah. Which makes him interesting because he's very flawed. Very much so. Very and Chris flawed. Hemsworth plays him still so. Yeah. In such a redeemable way. Yeah. So to kind of simplify, to kind of boil that down, we have Gore dealing with pain through anger. We have yeah. Thor dealing with pain through deflection. Immaturity. Humor. Humor, yeah. humor, we'll say. Yeah. Yes. But I think uh, just not taking things seriously is kind of the all-encompassing focus of like how he deals with his grief. Yes. Because you see how reckless he is when he goes into battle with the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and levels a temple. Yeah. <laughs> Of these poor aliens. Right. But yeah, so it, it then that sets the sort of story that is being told for his character. And then after that scene, then we move on to Jane Foster. The tone again becomes really sad. Yeah. We find out that she's dealing with stage four cancer. And you see the how she is kind of hopeless and depressed. And that's how she's dealing with her grief. But she's also like extremely determined. Yeah. She she really I don't know well, what how like would you facts. say trying to like reason her way out yeah. of pain yeah. is Jane's way of dealing with pain. Mm-hmm. So we have three people dealing with pain in these different ways and I also think they're united in the fact that they're searching for the fulfillment of purpose. Yeah. All three of them. Gore now that he's cursed like his entire purpose is to kill all the gods. Yeah. Thor has this whole scene with um Chris Pratt. Who, by the way, bro, looks like he's he on looks methamphetamines. Right yeah, now. he looks bad in this. In when this we movie. the first time we saw it, we were like, "What? What?" I said, "There's no way." He looks horrible. He looks so bad, but he 
is basically telling Thor, you have no idea who you are, blah, blah, blah. So Thor is yeah. on a quest to find his true purpose, find out who he is. And Jane, as she says in the film, she gets a new life by these powers that she finds. And she is finding purpose in saving other people and healing herself with the magic that is in Mjolnir. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree that yeah. it makes sense that people, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense. People think there's tonal inconsistency inconsistencies but we have three converging stories that are then coming together yeah and i think that one when all three of these characters are unified in the same scene in the same space that's when the tone gets very locked in uh-huh. and i i love like when we get to the black and white fight scene i think everything from oh, there yeah. is like incredible it, yeah absolutely and and to me the sort of tonal messiness of some of the scenes worked just because mm-hmm. you have these people who are dealing things with dealing with things in different ways mm-hmm. interacting. So of course there's going to be a sort of disconnect between them. Right. So to me it made sense. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I agree. Yeah. I, I, it's also, it's interesting to me how you are saying that this film is a straight comedy because I, I, it's not really, it's not really, but, but people I think keep calling it that. Yeah. But it's, I don't know how I would describe it, but I truly think that all comedy goes out the window at some point. Like there yeah. is such dark depths to this film that yeah. I really think it evens out between the dark and the light. And then if you look at, other Thor films where there is no comedy. Yeah. Like the first two Thor films, there's very minimal comedy. It's very boring. It's very like the first one. I barely even remember. It was very like science filled and not really the leaning first one into was just the... really boring because they were on Midgard, aka right. Earth, the whole time. Right. And then he wasn't really even being Thor until the end. Right. And Thor grew up in freaking Asgard where people are so lavish and right. dramatic and and the thing that that uh doesn't make sense about that sort of take for the first thor movie is like he doesn't have an alter ego like right. he technically does in the comics and stuff oh he does yeah but it's not like that's who he really is you know what i mean like it's not it's not like if they made like iron man 3 for example mm-hmm. is basically a tony stark movie right, it's right, not really right. an iron man movie okay yeah 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 I see what you mean. And you can't take that angle with Thor. It's not like him as a superhero is different from him as a person. Correct. Because yeah. he's a god. So there's yeah. no separation no, there's no for separation. him ever in his life. Very interesting. And it's not even the same as like Superman. Because mm-hmm. he's not really trying to be a human. Mm-hmm. He knows he is a god and has responsibility to the realms and everything. Right. So, yeah. It's just <laughs> that... Yeah, but anyways, we don't need to talk about the first <laughs> couple Thor movies. Yeah, no, we will never speak of them again. Um, <laughs> I also noticed a lot in the film that Thor kept saying another classic Thor adventure. Yeah. He said that multiple times. Which this is. It is, and it I also, would like... definitely call it that. It, I think, speaks to the tone and his... The, the scenes that are focused on him, like... Yeah. Are very comic booky and silly yes, and yes. extravagant, and I think that's... Uh, kind of encapsulating the film in that one little phrase that he keeps saying, another classic Thor adventure, you know? So I really thought that was an important line. Yeah. And I only noticed the second time watching that he said it multiple times. Um, I also... Okay, so I'm going to get heated real quick, folks. Oh, man. So there's a scene where Jane, um, we kind of see her 
go from the mighty Thor to dealing with her cancer again, seeing how it's taking a toll on her human form. She gets really angry that she's still struggling with this when she's so mighty and has all this power, but is still inside of her dealing with this sickness that she can't beat. And she like smashes the sink. Yeah. And like feeling like she's going to end up just like her mom. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is the scene when it flashes back to her mom passing Mm -hmm. away of cancer. Val, Valkyrie knocks on the door, comes to check on her, obviously can see that her friend is hurting and obviously has such a good relationship with Jane now that she knows this is not something that Jane wants to be talking about right now, especially right before we go off to battle. I'm going to check up on her, but we're not going to get into it. And then she changes the conversation. And And she cheers her up. Cheers her up, exactly. And she has, what people are so mad about about this scene is she has this speaker, this portable speaker that looks like a hand grenade. And Jane is like, what the heck is that, a hand grenade? And then she's like, no, it's a portable speaker. And she plays a song. And people are so pissed about that. But I think that's a beautiful moment of female friendship right there is knowing your friend so well and being able to read them so well that you know you can comfort them with a few words and then cheer them up in the perfect way because Jane was ready to go kick ass after that. Yeah, and Jane's not the type of character who wants to talk about all this stuff. Right, and neither is Valkyrie. Because she's been through it a bunch of times with other people. They started acting differently. Why does she want mm-hmm. to talk about it with Valkyrie? Exactly. Valkyrie understands. Right. And Valkyrie even says and in this I scene, I, I need just, a sister with me. So a big criticism is that it kind of like uses jokes to take away from emotional moments. And I wouldn't say that there's really any of that in this movie personally. No, I agree. Because like we said, that the tones just kind of mesh and that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there were no jokes when Gore's daughter died. No. I mean, this criticism definitely existed when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out, mm-hmm. but not to this extent. Mm-hmm. And that movie had, and I love that movie. That movie's one of my favorite MCU movies, but it's definitely, it's another one that is like very flawed, but great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it had a scene where Star-Lord's dad, Ego, is telling him that he killed his mother, and then Star-Lord is, is like overcome with rage. And then they decide in that scene to have a David Hasselhoff cameo. <laughs> so there's nothing like that in this movie. Right, 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 right. But people are acting like it's on the same level. Right. And I'm wondering if a lot of that is kind of moving on with our analysis, too. At some point in the film, um, the crew decides to go to Omnipotent City to get more of the gods together to uh, gather an army to fight mm-hmm. Gore, the god butcher. And they go to this incredibly lavish palace that's supposed to be like Mount Olympus almost. And Zeus is there. And we have Russell Crowe as Zeus in an incredible performance. So funny. And I'm wondering if his comedic performance is kind of making people mad. And if it is, I think people are really not understanding. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk a little bit about that thing I was telling you about in the car about social commentary. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I don't know if... I don't think, obviously, this is a huge point of the movie, um, but I do think that this is speaking so heavily to powerless people feeling so disadvantaged and so neglected by the people who were sworn to take care of them. We have the gods who have been just completely ignoring the common people like Gore, And I really think that that speaks to the times that we've been living in for the past, you know, few years through COVID, like the people who were sworn to protect 
the common people just completely were like, okay, well, you're going to die. Like, it is what it is. And that when we get to this lavish place where all of these gods, all of these leaders of these different worlds are just hanging out and laughing at the one really silly caricaturish leader of mm. Zeus, it's kind of, to me, was very reflective of, like, modern politics and obviously kind of politics for a really long time but just this like oligarchy of people who truly do not give a fuck and like you would think thor is like a would be a huge god in the realms but really it it, like with omnipotent city but really he's not because he's just well the son of odin yeah he's lost all this recognition because odin died exactly so he feels like you know, more of a common person as well. Someone who still feels powerless in this like vast place that has all of these powerful beings. And that's why um, I think it was so hilarious for Russell Crowe to give this (laughs) performance because it was just, just shining a light on the foolishness of, of people in charge, how like just random and unfair it is who has power. Yeah. Well, and you got it spot on because that is what Gore's sort of purpose is in the comics is to comment on right. that sort of political. And I think I was thinking and about this Taika's earlier. Taika's a genius for choosing now in this right. day and age to choose Gore the God Butcher right. as a villain. And I think I kind of got like kind of sad because I wish that Gore would not have gone the way he did in this film. Things mm-hmm. wouldn't have gone the way he did for him because he could have been an incredible big bad for this this yeah. uh phase because yeah. if he would have been able to rally the neglected people of all the different universes of the multiverses even and if there was a revolution led by gore that would have been crazy that would have been really cool but mar of course marvel disney a corporate entity they're never going to make a statement that big <laughs> Um, no, but I kind of wish because I was thinking of reading what I read about Gore and what you've told me about him. Like that is very clearly in the comics supposed to be yeah. a direct, a, like one for one comparison between like people feeling neglected by politicians yeah. in the real world, or even in terms of people who are dealing with doubting their religion and kind of walking away from their oh, faith. Yeah. In a, a cruel world where so many when, people are dying. Yeah, I remember when they announced that Gore was going to be the villain. I'm like, I'm going to have a hard time not rooting for this guy. Right. It, I mean, yeah, it really was hard not to root for him. Yeah. Although we do see Thor caring about his people. So when he's trying to kill Thor, and the it's, Necro Sword corrupts him right. so much that it's like, okay. Right. I'm glad you agree with the social commentary yeah. there. And I don't think Taika would make something that doesn't have some sort of social commentary in it well thor ragnarok didn't really but it was fun that's true it, it was fun <laughs> but, but most yeah. of the time he does do that yeah and i think he had a little bit more creative freedom with this one mm-hmm. and so that kind of shows it yeah. definitely shows definitely his, yes. his little trademark that he does yeah i do want to talk about a little bit about the comedy in this movie because mm-hmm. it is a big part of it and a lot of people are like oh i'm so tired of like this mcu comedy it's always not very funny this this one took everything good about the Thor Ragnarok comedy and just took it to 110%. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that it's just so absurd. 
you know, some people might not like it. Some people might not want absurd comedy in their in their superhero movies. But to me, <laughs> I was like, this is giving me Wayne's World two vibes. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, wow. I don't know if some crazy, sh- I don't know, but like. I mean, some crazy shit did happen yeah. in Omnipotent City specifically. It was so absurd. It was so silly. And that was another another criti- criticism people have is that this is the silliest Marvel movie. Okay. But I think there was a point to the silliness that people yeah. are missing. Obviously, I just spent all that time talking about yeah. Omnipotent City. But also, City, why, don't but you like, why, why do you like to have fun and be silly? Why do y'all take yourself so seriously? Why don't you like to be silly? Because... There was a cartoon bow in this movie, and that's pretty epic. I was I mean, going to say that's the one joke I didn't like very much. Just be- I know, I know. But just because you know how I feel when something like visually stands out in like a weird yeah. way because it was it was animated it was so and i was like that i was like oh this yeah, is amazing it was definitely really funny but it also it would have been maybe more funny to me if it was literally just like a huge bow with no face just like sitting on a podium okay that, I get you. it literally was just a visual thing for me that i didn't enjoy very much Th- this movie throws a lot at the wall in terms of comedy and not everything sticks mm-hmm. but I would say most of it does. Yeah. And, you know, there's some great bits in, in Ragnarok, but I think just the absurdity of this one mm-hmm. made me like it and made me laugh a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, I think Chris Hemsworth is such an incredible comedic yeah. actor that it's truly a disservice to not have Thor be a comedic presence in yeah. the MCU. And I, and to some degree, I understand why people don't want a silly Thor movie but mm-hmm. we had we had some ones that were serious already. Right. So if you have that, that big of an issue with it, go watch those ones. And let him live his life. I, oh, this was something I was going to talk about. Is like, for example, if they were to do it with a different character, mm-hmm. this is what I'm go- getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, I've now seen a perfect Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen Spider-Man No Way Home. I've seen Into the Spider-Verse. Those are two perfect Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to make a Spider-Man movie that was a straight-up romantic comedy, I wouldn't be mad. No, I would be I would, really excited. I would be actually. really excited. If they wanted to make a Spider-Man movie that was just a drama and he wasn't really Spider-Man for most of it, I mean, I guess that's Spider-Man too. But <laughs> <laughs> but like a, maybe like a really sad one, like yeah. like adapting Spider-Man Blue, where uh-huh. he like does the voice recordings for Gwen after she dies and stuff. <gasps> I know, so sad. But like if they did that, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Right. I don't need him to do broody like badass superhero stuff all the time right why is that such a big deal you know that's the question folks that is the question what are people not how this is a theory i have as well not to just elongate our theories in this episode but i know but you haven't even really like and no we haven't <laughs> talked about the movie, the movie very much but but there's I, so much to, to talk about in yeah this movie. and i do think the early 2000s superhero movie boom you know it was post 9-11 filmmaking which was very grounded for the most part telling a lot of like victory stories yeah. vanquishing evil blah 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 um I do think that that kind of set up an expectation in the general, like, consensus or the general, like, consciousness is what I meant to say, that a superhero movie is supposed to be grounded and is supposed (coughs) to be a clear story of good vanquishing evil. Um, And I think 
the further we're getting away from that time in our history, mm-hmm. the more obviously our stories are going to diverge from a black and white good and evil story. Yeah. Um, and also the further we're going to get away from the like military industrial complex in our superhero movies. And I just don't think a lot of people have the wherewithal to understand that. Yeah, nobody has media literacy. That's why so many people don't like this movie. And that's Okay, I shouldn't say that because you can like not like this movie. That's fine. That is tea, folks. But the way that people are criticizing it are is dumb. It's stupid. You're done you're tacky and I and I hate you. Yeah. To quote School of Rock. Love. So let's talk really quick, baby, uh, about the black and white fight. I was also gonna say though, the way phase four is changing now. Aside from what you said, is mm-hmm. it's also becoming more like comic books. Yeah. And people have been talking about this. This is a, a, a common conversation on like comic book TikTok, Marvel TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are criticizing Phase Four, and yeah, it's not perfect, but we are getting so much content. Mm-hmm. You don't have at this point. You don't have to watch everything, mm-hmm. and that's what people aren't getting. Not everything is going to link together. They're making different stories for different people so it's just now becoming more like comic books books. for different people yeah it's coming it's becoming more like comic books and less like an interconnected film universe yeah um and to me that's a great thing yeah and i'm really excited to see where it goes next yeah because when we do have these huge events they're gonna be so much crazier than anything we've ever seen i'm scared like if they do secret wars it is gonna be the craziest movie ever yeah and wow. people are not ready for it. Please give it to us, Marvel. <laughs> we want it. <clears throat> I, have, I have faith that Kevin Feige will do it. Yeah. Bring back Toby, too. Yeah, I, please. I'll cry again. <laughs> One thing I we didn't touch upon at all is the soundtrack is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of like 80s metal, it fits perfectly with Thor's character. Yeah. I mean, there was even like, a, like an 80s metal band that was called Thor. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So this sort of style of music, it just fits perfectly. It fits the tone. It's not as iconic as like the first Guardians, but nothing could ever be. But honestly, honestly, 70s pop, that is the best type of music of all time. Ever. Agree. Yeah. You know what? I guess we did kind of review the movie. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Yeah. In between all our, all the things. Oh, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the way that this movie uses tropes because I think it's something that's being super overlooked and it's something that's being called cheesy, hammy, when it was done where, uh, 20 years ago now. Right. In Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Right. And people freaking loved it. And they eat that shit And there up. are people who don't like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because of this. And I understand. I've gone through a phase where I didn't like it. But <laughs> now I've come to love camp. I love camp so much. We love it. it if, you, if you can have camp in every superhero movie... That's great. I want more of it. This movie uses romantic comedy tropes. Mm-hmm. It uses superhero tropes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, I just think it's done so well. Yeah. You even get like the meat cute basically of like a romantic comedy. And what better way to do that for Thor than in the middle of battle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's brilliant. Yeah. And then you have your classic superhero tropes like uh, saving a bunch of kids which, by the way, I wanted to talk about that. One of the, my favorite aspects of this movie is, you know, since it is a romantic comedy, or at least has romantic comedy aspects, mm-hmm. the relationship between Thor and Jane. Yes. Oh, oh my fucking God. This movie does so much heavy lifting. 
to actually make the relationship interesting when it's so boring because in the first two movies. You get nothing from the first two no. movies. In the and Korg flashback In the sequence, one montage scene with an ABBA song, they did more to make you care about this relationship than two movies did. Insane. Ins- I was it, like, it oh was, my God, now I get it. Now yeah, I understand. Yeah. And while we're talking about this, there was a moment in the montage of them being in love where Thor was talking to Mjolnir and was like, isn't Jane so amazing, Mjolnir? You have to promise me that you will always protect her no matter what. And then Mjolnir glows, starts glowing with a little Norse slash Celtic knot. And Korg is like, it turned into magic, blah, blah, blah. And I really, I kind of wish that they would have touched on that again, like, and really confirmed that that promise that Thor had Mjolnir make is the reason why Jane was able to... I'm pretty sure it is. But I wanted them to explicitly say it. Yeah. Like, obviously, that is a a huge part of the reason, and obviously Jane is a great person and worthy to wield Mjolnir, but the fact that Mjolnir was calling out to Jane... If I remember rightly, that's all it was in the comics, is that she was worthy and Thor was gone. Oh. So I like this way better that the hammer is literally protecting her. Yeah, out of love. Out of love. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um yeah, I really loved I really loved that part and I was trying to do some research on what the symbol that glowed on Mjolnir meant, but I couldn't really find much. Yeah. It's just like infinity basically. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know, it's been on the hammer the whole time. Yeah. But I was going to say in that montage, we see uh Thor like thinking about the future. Mhm. And he's thinking about children. And yeah. like how is, is he going to become a dad? He gets really afraid. He kind of has a breakdown about it. And so I think it's really cool that they work in the sort of like like really silly superhero trope of saving a, a, a bunch of children into his character and both of their love story, too. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. People are not it. giving it the credit I it know. deserves. And Korg is like, I think Thor would be a great dad. Yeah. And also, I wanted to say, when he saves those kids, when he saves the kids that were stolen from New Asgard, he gives them, temporarily, of course, the power of Thor so that he can, they can help him <laughs> um, fight the, the shadow monsters that are coming for him. And when he gives them the power, baby, when all the electricity goes and it's like... It was um, Yggdrasil. That's why it looked yeah. familiar. It dawned on me this time. It was like the tree of like, as it was that right there. That is so Isn't sick. Isn't that so cool? Wow. I was like, wait, there's something about that. It, everyone listening, if you want to look up Yggdrasil, Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L. It's a tree uh, that's G-G-Y. part of, um, no, not that. <laughs> it's a tree that's part of Norse mythology. And yeah, when Thor transfers his power to these kids, you see like a shot, like an aerial shot of them all getting his power and it forms the tree. And I thought that was just a really cool. Yeah. Really cool nod to Norse mythology. Yeah, that whole, the whole climax of the movie is just fantastic it's though. It's incredible. Um, but I thought the kids were, <laughs> they were a great, you know, bit of comedy and also a bit of, heart for the movie yeah because the concept of like growing up and becoming a parent is kind of a i would say is a major theme of this movie yeah especially with the way it ends now yeah and it it really gore has a lot of moments where he's talking about what like my daughter is the lucky one to not have to grow up in this world that's so tainted by the people who are supposed to be protecting us yeah which you know a lot of people our age and a little bit older than us are so having this battle with themselves that they do want to have kids because 
of the kind of world that we live in right now and because of climate change and X, Y, and Z. So that is, I thought, again, another excellent piece of social commentary by Mr. Taika Waititi. Yeah. But um, with the kids, when Gore comes to talk to the kids that he's kidnapped, yeah, we you touched on that. this a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, I can see because Gore, all he cared about in the world was his daughter. And that's why he's on this quest, because he thinks that it is what he has to do as a father to, like, avenge his daughter's death. He goes and, and like, checks up on the kids who are in the cage that he kept, in this crazy cage. And he like goes to tell them a story and like conjures this creature. And obviously it's like super fucked up and he rips the head off of this creature that he conjured. Um, but then he tells them, I knew a girl once who was brave and she was smart and she was funny and she really liked to draw. And he like, I can see the part, like the actual core, the, the soul of Gore trying to yeah. fight the curse and kind of come out and show kindness to these kids regardless of what this necrosword curse is having him do and i don't know if i know you you agree and you saw that this time right yeah oh definitely yeah yeah i think initially when he goes into the into the cage he's already trying to comfort them and then mm -hmm. the necrosword the curse of it kind of takes over and then makes him scare them instead yeah um i thought that was a great scene yeah and i i loved that that moment of of the humanity and him trying to pop out and then at the end when the necrosword is broken he obviously is going to die because the cor the uh, necrosword was both keeping him alive and sucking his life force out of him. And you can see Christian Bale, like in his performance, you can see him snapping back to himself. Yeah. When he sees mm -hmm. Thor holding Jane as Jane is, is about to pass away, yeah. you can literally Christian Bale starts like wigging out, like, and then starts sobbing. Because first he says, what kind of father would I be if I stopped now? And Thor tells him, you know, I choose love. Why am I going to waste my last moment arguing with you about this when I can be with Jane, when I can be with the person that I love? And that remembering holding his own daughter while seeing them is what made him make the choice to bring his daughter back. Yeah. At the end. And I think Amazing. that's incredible. Christian yeah. Bale did such a beautiful job. And again with... Um like embracing tropes and stuff mm -hmm. in any other movie this would get an eye roll out of me but when thor says the thing gore was looking for all along was love mm -hmm. it just hits hard it used the trope so well because yeah. it worked it in so beautifully with the narrative and with the character arcs yeah that and it is true too yeah like it's cheesy but it works so right. well right and in the beginning when we're first introduced to gore when he sees his God that he's been praising all this time, regardless of losing literally everything in his life, he still is like kneeling before him and giving him praise yeah. and wanting love from this person or this God, really, I should say, that he's devoted his entire life to. All he wanted was love in return from this God and he didn't get it. Yeah. And that set him on this journey because he did not receive that love and mm -hmm. he lost everything he loved as well. I don't know. You guys, there was so much more to this. So much more than people are saying. Also, um, really quickly, something I want to say as well. When we see Thor talking to Jane saying, you know, you have to stay here because I want there to be a chance for us and you have to stay and, oh, and try to fight your cancer. So good. First of all, devastating, heartbreaking. But then when Jane shows up, in the battle to come save him and all he can do is say 
No. Yeah. Oh, no. But he loves and respects Jane so much that he has to accept her decision. Yeah. And has to accept that she is right. He couldn't do this without her there. And he, the oh my gosh, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. <laughs> just the way his face fell yeah. seeing her. But he couldn't waste any time to like argue it or to try to control her in any way. All he could do was keep fighting. I was like, oh my God. It's just such... It's. I just love the growth in Thor's character of like yeah. having that much care and respect for this woman. Yeah. Like he had that kind of care and respect for his mother, and I don't think we yeah. really saw that in any other relationship with a woman that he ever had. No. And not even really. That was a good point to bring up, Jane. Thank you. And in the first few movies, we didn't even see that kind of relationship with him and Jane. Yeah. Until literally this movie. This is. This is the time. And he really wanted a future with her so bad. But that's, I guess, the choice you make when you when you want to commit to someone for whatever kind of future you have left with each other. Yeah. Like, you know, not to be morbid, but like if I was dying and I had to make a decision to either come help you save the world or stay in my bed and let you sacrifice yourself, like yeah. I'm sure you would respect my decision, whatever yeah. I chose. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved how Thor chose to take care of love, almost to honor both Gore and, yeah. and Jane. Because she's the one who said she won't be alone. Right. Thor exactly. isn't even the one who says, like, I'll take care of your daughter. Yeah. Jane, before she dies, tells Gore, please wish, wish for eternity to give you your daughter back. She won't be alone. Like, yeah. Thor will take care of her. Yeah. So really, it is love that wins in the end. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and I also loved at the end how Thor was so strong for Jane, knowing that she was literally going to die in the next few yeah. seconds. And they were laughing with each other. And and see, that's that's what I love about the way that the comedy is used sometimes in the dramatic scenes. Mm -hmm. If you were sad, I wouldn't just be like all mopey the whole time. I would yeah. try to make you laugh because that's exactly. what I do. Exactly. So. I, I'm not saying to everybody who didn't like this movie, but I'm going to say it to the pe to some of the people, you shitty MCU fans, I'm going to say, number one, you don't love nobody. <laughs> say that. Number two, you're not funny. Say that. <laughs> say that right there. Because there was just so much stuff in this movie that I just, I really connected with because... Yeah. Life is funny, um, people. Life, life is, is funny yes. if you are funny. And if you're not funny, <laughs> then say that instead of being mad at Thor. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess these other people, they're just sad the whole time. They don't want to be cheered up crazy. with a song being played out of a Bluetooth speaker. Right. And as, <laughs> as Thor said at the end, why am I going to waste my last moments on anything other than enjoying the presence of someone I love. Yeah. All these incredible performances. I want to talk about some of the side characters, too. Mm -hmm. She's not in it enough. She wasn't in Thor Ragnarok enough, either. But I'm just glad she's back at all. Because mm -hmm. Valkyrie, uh, Tessa Thompson, Tessa, dude. She is just you. so likable. And she brings a lot to Thor and Jane's characters. She, yeah. she is, like, literally a supporting character. Yeah. She's fantastic. And yeah. Korg classic again Korg, we he, love you unfortunately he doesn't get as many hilarious lines as he did in ragnarok yeah um there's no uh the hammer tried to pull you off lines <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, still fantastic i was glad he was back yeah one thing i didn't like about the movie is that they did a fake out death with both korg and valkyrie yeah i thought that was kind of unnecessary yeah. i think the valkyrie one 
could have worked by itself, but the Korg one didn't need to happen. Yeah, I didn't think so. No. But, you guys, Korg is confirmed gay, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, gay Korg. And he's with Dwayne the Rock, which that's is even so better. Fun. That is an excellent <laughs> joke right there, I have to say. Shout out to Meek in his position yeah, of Meek power was barely in, it, in but new Asgard. Meek was awesome. I was glad Meek was back. Shout out to Darcy. We only saw you for a few minutes, but we miss you, girl. I'm sure there will be many more things that I have to say in the future, so I might as well just end now. <laughs> so just shoot Trevor a text if you want to know what yeah. else he had to say. Um, Even if you don't you know in. us and you're listening, I don't know, find me. Yeah, Pull Instagram. Up. At Spidey Trev. Whoa. Oh my God. That is. Oh, gonna... you know what I wanted to say? The goats. I'm going to say it after the second viewing. The goats suck. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a huge. The goats is, are for uh, the same people that the minions are for. <laughs> That's right. I said it. <laughs> the goats is like, was this written in 2016? Well, Taika literally said that it was inspired by the Taylor Swift goat meme. Because he's a fucking insane person. Oh, Taika. But I love you. We love you, King. We forgive you for that. I'm sure a lot of people will get a kick out of it. Yeah. In terms of performances also, I do think Natalie Portman did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, But there were a few scenes where she couldn't quite pull off the hamminess of some of the lines. Yeah. There's like a one scene where she does this bit that I usually do in like regular life, but she's not like trying to do a bit. It's uh-huh. just like weird acting. She's like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still yeah, workshopping yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally both times I was like, what is she doing? I was like, like, why did she do that? What is this? She's being so, ma'am, excuse my French, but you fucked this man before many times. Yeah. And now you're all like, um, can I like bounce something off of you? <laughs> I'm just like, trying to have a catchphrase there, there was another scene where she did something like that but it worked a lot better where yeah. she tells thor that she has cancer and then she's like okay bye yeah <laughs> yes but i was she, like, like awkwardly walks away i was like girl what the hell is going on but that on? one scene where they're in uh omnipotent city yeah i was like bro. i was like that is embarrassing uh, natalie i feel like we have to talk about this too because almost every single scene is gorgeous and i say almost because there's a scene where heimdall's son is trying to communicate to thor and it literally looks like a snapchat filter it's so funny it's so funny so funny and i didn't even care because the the movie is so camp but also like but still, like, why did you do that? Yeah, why did you do that? But also, how else was he going to, like, appear to Thor? In in uh, Ragnarok, they just were talking to each other. Right, but, like, but Thor get, doesn't know that he has the, the powers. I don't know, but, I mean, you guys come up with all this other stuff. You can't do, <laughs> do right. something better than a Snapchat filter. Yeah. It could have been more of, like, a Leia. Uh, right, exactly. That's what Hulk I was thinking. Kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, it looked so funny. It did. But I loved it still. Okay, I, I feel it. like there's some... <sighs> okay, we should just stop it. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna... We're gonna sign off, folks. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to us yeah. talk got... our little booties off. I know. Once we, once we start talking about a Marvel movie, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Because, like I said, I have been newly converted, but I am fully immersed everyone we also have a segment on this podcast Uh where we talk about the scene in the film that made us say ready 
three, two, one. Now, now this is, is cinema. cinema. This one got me the first time I watched it, and it got me the second time. It looks straight out of a comic book. It is insane. Love is walking towards Gore, and you see it's right after Eternity resurrects her, and sh you see her reflection in the water, mm -hmm. and she's literally a galaxy. Yeah. It is so good. That was really good, I will say. Um, I think that that scene, them being at eternity and um, <clears throat> having like the water in the sky, I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. But I think for me, my this is cinema. It, it's gonna have to be um, Omnipotent City. Yeah. I loved the design of Omnipotent City. I it thought was it was gorgeous. so true to like Greek mythology and like the lavishness of. And the action scene on, on that. Uh, on omnipotent city with all the gold blood everywhere yeah, it was so cool this movie was surprisingly bloody which which like we, just alien blood uh alien blood and we got squirted with it when we, we saw did. it in 40 we did. a little too much a little too um, much but yeah that's my now this is squirting <laughs> sorry <Ew. laughs> This is, that's my now this is cinema is the omnipotent city um scene. but honestly you could say that about any of the now this is cinema for any of the action scenes. Mm -hmm. They were s more sparse than they were in Ragnarok, um, but I didn't think that was a problem oh, because they were all good. They're all fantastic. I can't not say this before we end. The fact that when Jane wields Mjolnir, it's able to break apart and like that the little the pieces can go ever, yeah. and, and get different. Oh, it's so cool! And yeah. then it goes back together. Yeah, that's sick. I didn't want to talk about a few of the action scenes. The yeah. first one that. Uh, is that after the like Marvel title sequence feels straight out of like Thundercats because of like yeah. the design of the aliens, the mm -hmm. bird aliens that are there. It feels like Ninja Turtles, Thundercats, <laughs> some sort of 80s cartoon. They look like damn Muppets. Yeah, but it, it was definitely Jim Henson Company. It looked like mm -hmm. some shit like that, mm -hmm. which I loved. It was fantastic. Obviously, the best one I would say is the one in the sh in the Shadow Realm. Oh yeah is one of the coolest scenes in the MCU now. Yeah. It is so cool. Agree. Fantastic. Loved it. All right. All right, so, folks. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and do our final ratings. Yeah. It's still four out of five for yeah, me. Yeah, it's still four yeah. out of five for me, too. Yeah. So I, I just don't think I can give it that point five. More. It definitely has issues. Yeah. In terms of, like, enjoyment, this is honestly a five out of five. But oh, just yeah. as a film, it's a four out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I sure. agree. So official big screen sweethearts rating of Thor Love and Thunder, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. We loved it, folks. Um, I also would like to ins uh, instill a new fixture in our podcast when we do MCU movies, new, f new MCU movies. I'd like to see where this falls in our individual MCU rankings. Mm -hmm. Where do you think this would be in your top three, top five, top ten? Um, you know, it's so hard. I know. It's for you so especially. hard for me. Listen, I definitely think it's it's in the top echelon for me. Okay. Could I put a number on it? Probably not. Yeah. But it, it, it's hard for me to rank MCU movies because it's like, how do you rank a solo film against an ensemble film? Yeah. Against an event film? Yeah. It's just so difficult. But definitely top tier MCU for me personally. For me personally, I think I kind of rank Marvel movies purely by enjoyment first, yeah, and you have a true. lot more, you know, riding on your rankings. So I'm gonna say right now this might be in my top five. Okay. At the at the very least, it's in my top ten. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I really really enjoyed this. Thor really came in as like a sleeper favorite for yeah. me. 
And this one's wise. easily one of, if not the most rewatchable re mm -hmm. MCU movie now. Mm -hmm. It is just so it's fun. It's so good. It's so fun. We love it. Um, Almost as rewatchable as Ant-Man for me. <laughs> or Captain America for All right, Avengers. you want to do our... Uh, What's let's, it called? Let's Crazy play. credits. No, it's called the name game. Oh, that's right. I keep <laughs> did this last what it's episode called. too. All right, I'm everyone. Do that every time. This so is you know. the name game where we pick out our favorite names in the credits. Um, as you know, you should always watch the credits of Marvel movies because there will be end and, credit and scenes. And credit scenes in this one in particular were fantastic. They were and amazing. I'm very excited for where they're taking this next. Yes. Um, but Especially also, with you should watch Hercules. Yeah. You should watch the credits of any movie because yeah. so many people work on films, everybody. Yeah. It's nice to just at least sit and uh, take in that recognition. If you're seeing Pause of Fury, Legend of Hank, watch Leave. the credits. Oh. Uh, <laughs> don't watch it to begin with. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. Do you want to start with your name? Um, yeah, so I want to give a shout out to my boy, Jabin Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I cannot believe Thank you it. for your name. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much. And I would like to give a very loving shout out to my guy, Brett Butt. <laughs> Brett Butt, I love you. Thank you for that name. I wish I remembered what your job was. I think it was a music supervisor of some sort, but thank you so much. And really, sir, I got to say, you were the bread and butter oh, to this film. Oh, my God. So thank you guys so much that was good. That <laughs> for was tuning good. in to this episode of... Big screen sweethearts. I'm sure it's going to be a long one. It's probably pretty long. I might have to trim it down. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> All right. If only we had a Patreon for the full episode, oh. but we're not there yet. Maybe, yeah, maybe, so, maybe we'll one day. Maybe one of these days. Maybe we'll do a, 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 a retro rewind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. someday. But next time, guys, uh, you'll be joining us for one of the best in the game, his new film, Jordan Peele's Nope. Woohoo! Can't so wait excited. for it. All right. We'll see you guys next time. All right, time. everybody. Love you. Love you.